Well, good morning, everybody. It is such a privilege to be here. Uh, my name is Joshua Tepper, and I'm a pastor up at Mount Bethel United Methodist in Marietta, Georgia. And here I am on coronavirus weekend. I'm really grateful to be with you guys via the ultimate social distancing. So, hi, it's good to see you, fist bump, uh, whatever this is, and foot um, bump. So, we're all safe, we're all good. Uh, again, just want to encourage you to continue to pray for our world. Um, it's an interesting time, but I also believe it's an amazing opportunity for the gospel to be leveraged in ways that might not have happened outside of this circumstance. So church, our mandate is to pray and our mandate is to love. Um, but again, I'm grateful to be here with you and I'm grateful to be sharing a word in your series called Jesus Unfiltered and to be sharing from the gospel of Mark chapter 10. Um, I was really fortunate to grow up in a community in a church that had really good preaching. Uh, and one of those good preachers was a guy by the name of S.J. Hill. And I still remember something S.J. said one time when I heard him preach at the tender age of about 13 or 14. He said, that, he said this. He said, you can have as much of God as you want. And I know that can be a phrase that can, can seem a little bit jarring, like, whoa, we can have as much of God as we want. But here it's said this way. I, I love the way Scottish Bible teacher Alexander McLaren, he said it this way. He said, we may have as much of God as we will. Christ puts the key of the treasure chamber into our hand and bids us to take all that we want. If a person is admitted into the bullion vault of a bank, and told to help themselves, and comes out with one cent, whose fault is it that they are poor? I believe there's a truth uh, in the gospel, and particularly as we look into our text in a few moments, of this understanding that we, we can pursue God to a level that he opens himself up to us. Say it another way, it's the proof of our desire is in our pursuit. The proof of our desire is in our pursuit. And I I believe our our character in our scripture today from Mark exemplifies this understanding of pursuing after God. Our scripture comes today from Mark 10, and I'm going to be reading verses 46 through 52 out of the uh, NIV version. And then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, uh, forgive me, and they came to Jericho. And Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, and he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, a little background about our passage to, to catch us up. I know you all have been going through the, the Gospel of Mark, so you're probably well aware of this, but I think it bears repeating that, that Mark's Gospel is all about teaching us and bringing us to the realization that we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. 
that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the one that's worthy of our worship. But even deeper than that, we are called to emulate our lives after his teaching and after his way of life. And Mark has one particular point he is driving his entire gospel towards, and that is to be a disciple means to follow Jesus to the cross. Mark makes no bones about it. This is not an easy call. This is not something that is for the weak-willed or for, or for people who are casual about their, their faith and about Christ. It is for the people who realize that to follow Jesus means to take up your cross daily. And even in the way that Mark structures his gospel, he gets to the cross faster than any of the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Matthew Luke, or John. In fact, the very next verse after our story about blind Bartimaeus is Jesus turning himself towards Jerusalem. It's the beginning of Holy Week. So Mark is is pulling us to this point of saying that to be a disciple of Jesus means that we take up our cross and follow him. And interestingly enough, also about our passage is that it's actually part two of a, 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 it's part two of a two-part interchange And the interchange is all about this question of Jesus asking us, what do you want? And immediately preceding this, Jesus is is approached by his disciples, James and John, and and they say, Jesus, we, we got a question for you. We need to talk to you. And Jesus asks them the exact same words he asked blind Bartimaeus. He says, what do you want? And James and John ask to be on Jesus' right hand and his left hand. In essence, what they're asking him for is they're asking him for to be put into a position of prominence, in a position of influence, in a position of rulership. They're asking for power, prestige, and they're asking for influence. Now juxtapose that with blind Bartimaeus. When Jesus asks him, what do you want? He says, I want to see But to move into our passage, Jesus is actually traveling through the the desert area of what is now modern-day Israel, Palestine, and he comes to the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho, interestingly enough, is one of the oldest inhabited cities in the world, and it is actually at one of the lowest points in the world. It is incredibly, uh, geographically speaking, low below the sea level. And it is, it is a dry, desert, incredibly hot place, almost 365 days a year. And Jesus is walking through this ancient town. And as he's walking through it on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross, he encounters Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus hears the rustle, and he had, he had been born blind. He had been born without his sight. And he hears this rustling, and, and, and someone had to have said, Jesus is coming through, Jesus of Nazareth. And, and Bartimaeus had, had obviously heard of Jesus and the stories of him, so he begins to cry out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's interesting to note that the language that Mark uses, that Bartimaeus uses, is, is actually uh, Masonic language or Messianic language. It's, it's language that is acknowledging that Jesus wasn't just a prophet, he wasn't just a good teacher or a rabbi, but he was actually the son of God. He was the one to whom our entire allegiance and devotion and life should be given to. Uh, Bartimaeus, from the outset, was recognizing the fact that he wasn't going to be a casual follower of Jesus. And, and he cries out, Jesus, son of, Mer- son of David, have mercy on me. And, and the crowd, like they often do, especially to those that are uh, on the margins of our world, 
They yell at Bartimaeus. They say, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Stop talking. The master has no use of you and has no business talking with you. You are a nobody who has no voice, who has no influence, who has no ability to do anything for the Messiah. Stop talking. But what does Bartimaeus do at that point? He cries out all the louder. And he says, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to fulfill all that the Father had called him to do and ultimately fulfill the covenant and usher in the new kingdom, stops in his tracks. And he says, call Bartimaeus, bring him to me. And the crowd at that point realizes maybe there is something about this guy. So they, they say, cheer up, Bartimaeus. Jesus has called for you. And, and, and Bartimaeus stands up. He throws off his cloak and he walks towards Jesus. And Jesus asks him again the same question that James, he asked James and John just a few verses earlier. He says, what do you want to me to do for you? What do you want from me? And blind Bartimaeus says, Rabbi, I want to see. Rather than asking for power, prestige, influence, wealth, all of the things that we might think to ask the Son of God, Bartimaeus simply asks for those normal, day-to-day things that so often we take for granted. He wanted to see. He wanted to be able to experience the world. He wanted to be able to be a productive member of society from the standpoint of work and and influence and having a family. He asked Jesus to see. He could have asked him for anything, but he asked him to see. And Jesus looks at Bartimaeus and he says, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Jesus says, Bartimaeus, you have it. Now go, live your life. And rather than just going about his daily business or forging a new life, Bartimaeus follows Jesus. And ultimately, Jesus heads on his way to Jerusalem. I think it's important to note that this text is actually operating on two levels. It's operating on a socioeconomic level, and it's also operating on a spiritual level. So socioeconomically speaking, Bartimaeus was poor. Bartimaeus was marginalized. Bartimaeus was someone who didn't have um, the the, uh, blessing of society. He was someone who was kicked to the curb, who was ignored, who wasn't even worthy of approaching Jesus until Jesus called him. And yet, Jesus stopped for him. Jesus stopped in his tracks for him. And I think it's really important for us to understand when we look at this text that it truly is the poor and the marginalized that capture the attention of God. And I'm talking about the physical poor and marginalized. The people that we often forget, that person that we see as we drive to Atlanta and get off onto our exit who's sitting there panhandling for money. The people who don't, who can't pay their bills, who can't afford rent, who are struggling to buy their groceries. These are the people that stop Jesus in his tracks. And it is important for us to remember that the desperation that Bartimaeus felt was a real desperation. And I believe as Christians, not only are we supposed to emulate Christ in our desperation, but we are supposed to emulate Christ in our ability to help those who are desperate. 
Our response to poverty is not to ignore and to, to, to push to a side and, and to even worse tell them to stop talking or, or we don't need to hear your cry, but it's to stop in our tracks and remember that Jesus has a heart for those who are less fortunate and we are also called to have that same heart. I love this quote from a commentator that I, that I was um, reading. He said, How remarkable that the Son of Man allows the cries of the poor and powerless person to stop him in his tracks. What does that say about God? What should that say about us? I also think it's important to note regarding this socioeconomic desperation that Bartimaeus had is that Jesus gave him the dignity of asking what he wanted. Far too often we assume what people need, especially those of a different economic stratus. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't say, Bartimaeus, I know you need your sight. Jesus said, what do you want from me? And I believe it is our calling as Christians to serve those that are less fortunate in a way that brings them dignity. So it's important to note that that this text was operating on a socioeconomic level, but it's also important to note that this text was operating on a spiritual level. It was operating from the standpoint that we are called to be desperate for God like Bartimaeus was called. That we are called to need God for our daily sustenance, for our daily lives at a spiritual level that reminds us that we simply cannot get by in this world on our own. The same commentator that I was reading said this, the kingdom of heaven, it has been said, is not for the well-meaning, but for the desperate. Bartimaeus is desperate and his desperation is a doorway to faith, which leads me to my whole point for this sermon. is that desperation is the doorway to Jesus. Desperation is the doorway to Jesus. You see, Christ desires that we cultivate a hunger for him that is daily. This is why he he said in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, um, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We are called to cultivate in our lives a desperation and a hunger for God that manifests itself daily. This realization that we need God in our lives, that we need God to the extent that we are no different than blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road, desperate for an encounter with Jesus. A.W. Tozer, the famous pastor from uh, the the 20th century, excuse me, said this. He said, before we can be filled with the Spirit, the desire to be filled must be all-consuming. It must be for the time the biggest thing in life, so acute, so intrusive as to crowd out everything else. The degree of fullness in any life accords perfectly with the intensity of true desire. We have as much of God as we actually want. One great hindrance to the spirit-filled life is the theology of complacency so widely accepted among gospel Christians today. According to this view, acute desire is an evidence of unbelief and proof of lack of knowledge of the scriptures. A sufficient refutation of this position is afforded by the word of God itself and by the fact that it always fails to produce real saintliness among those who hold it. 
we have as much of God as we actually want. You see, when we fail to cultivate a desperation for God, a desire for God, a a hunger like Bartimaeus portrays for us, we can grow complacent. I'm reminded of this passage from Hosea, the prophet of the Old Testament. He says this in chapter 13. This is God speaking to his people. He said, I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. And he says, but when I fed you, you were satisfied. And when you were satisfied, you became proud. And when you became proud, you forgot me. When we live our lives as if we don't need God daily, we're actually cultivating the exact opposite of what the gospel calls us to do. We're cultivating a self-sufficiency, a complacency, an arrogance that says, I don't need God in my life. I can take care of this myself. All the while, we fail to recognize that we are just as blind as Bartimaeus, standing on the side of the road where we should be calling out to Jesus, saying, have mercy on me, I need you. The doorway to Jesus is desperation. A famous preacher I really like named Leonard Ravenhill used to say that one person anointed by God can change the world. One person anointed by God can change the world. And in closing, I'd like to tell you a story of one of my heroes, a man by the name of Evan Roberts. He was a Welshman who lived around uh, the turn of the 19th century into the 20th century. He was a poor coal miner. Um, he didn't have an education much past high school and, and every day he would spend 10 to 12 hours um, in the coal mines only to find himself growing more and more desperate for God in his life. And Roberts recounts that he would seclude himself for three or four hours every day in his prayer closet crying out to God to send revival to Wales and to infill his life with the presence of God. He cultivated over almost a decade a desperation for God that was uh, unsatisfied until God actually met him. And the story goes that in 1903, God poured himself out on Roberts in a way that changed the world. And Roberts began a preaching crusade all over Wales that over the course of nine months, over three quarters of a million Welsh people came to Jesus Christ. And that movement in Wales spread to Los Angeles, California, to what we know as the Azusa Street Revival. And that revival spread all across the globe to where literally today millions upon millions have come to Christ and have been empowered by the Holy Spirit because one man cultivated a desperation for God like Bartimaeus and he wouldn't relent until God showed up. And the question I want to leave you with today, the question I want to leave you with in this season of Lent is what are you desperate for? What are you pursuing with your life? As I stated at the beginning, the proof of desire is in pursuit. What are you pursuing with your life? Are you seeking to cultivate a heart like Bartimaeus? It cries out to Jesus to meet him, to know him, 
to follow him, ultimately to the cross. That's my prayer for you today, that you would cultivate a relationship and a desire for God that permeates every aspect of your life, that shapes the pursuits of your life, that shapes every moment of your life. Let's pray. Father, we say with blind Bartimaeus, son of David, have mercy on us. We need you. Father, help us to recognize we need you. Help us to recognize that apart from you, we are blind on the road in the middle of Jericho with no hope other than you. Help us to take an inventory of our pursuits, of our desires. And Father, help us to cultivate a desperation for you. Because when we do, we will encounter Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.